I forgot acting's hard. Um, okay, here we go. We'll try that again. Hello, and welcome back to Elevating the Genre, episode 32. We are your co-hosts. I am Christopher, and that lovely gentleman is... Dominic, the Italian Christmas donkey. Yes, Tom, the Italian Christmas donkey. It's a, it's a Christmas carol. Yes, it is a Christmas one. carol, yes. Um, usually sung by, uh, 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 oh, the Italian guy. Oh, my God, my mother is going to rescind my Italian card. Uh, I, <gasps> Perry Como? No, it's Como. Who made that originally? I used to know who recorded that. Anyway, we're here to talk about all the things that make smart, geeky stuff actually smart and mostly geeky and not Christmas donkeys. Um, although, occasionally, we can probably fall into Christmas donkeys once in a while. Uh, maybe we'll do a whole podcast on... on uh, Dominic the Christmas donkey at some point. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, <laughs> today we are going to talk about, oh my goodness, uh, one of my all-time favorite pieces of freaking media, Transformers the Animated Movie. Uh, before we blow your little brains with that, first we got a segment we like to call What's Elevating Our Genre, where we turn you on to what we think is cool and smart and groovy out in the old geeky world. Um... I think, Dom, you went last time. If I'm not mistaken, I'll, uh, I'll throw down first this time. Uh, I stumbled onto basically at a brocant, uh, which is basically what amounts to a yard sale, um, sort of an organized uh, neighborhood yard Good, sale. because it sounds like, like a really weird thing in English language, <laughs> yes. the way you just said it. Exactly. Um, uh, what amounts to like a, sort of like a, an organized city block sale, a brocant. Basically, it's a flea market. Um, uh, and I stumbled onto, in English, uh, amidst a pile of Frenchy stuff, um, Katsuhiro Otomo's um, collection of short fiction. Um, called, at least this, this, this edition was called Memories, uh, named after one of uh, his uh, pieces of short fiction uh, contained therein. Um, and it's really interesting to sort of – and this edition also has like each piece is introduced by him. And it's – I have not – read anything in his personal voice ever before and his personal voice is interesting it's deeply um imposter syndrome and um <laughs> and uh and very uh you know sort of self-effacing just so very, very japanese a bit so it was interesting to hear uh, it's always you know i i don't know if i consider him an artistic hero but i certainly consider akira a crowning achievement of, on many levels uh in terms of the manga in terms of the movie so it's always interesting to hear what i think is a titan of creativity still you know going through the same ministrations that I think most of us as artists do. Um, uh, the content therein is so, so Otomo. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, just He's got these very specific things about particularly how dudes run and, again, all the action lines. We talked about this a bit uh, if you yeah. listen to our Akira episode about what I like about his stuff on the page. Um, he's got an interesting obsession with hippies for some strange reason in this. I don't know mm. why. Uh, hippies feature prominently and really hairy guys. Uh, <laughs> sort of like bordering on like Captain Caveman level Harry, which is interesting. Um, ooh, I just made a Captain Caveman reference. I'm excited about that. Um, anyway, if you can find it, it's interesting. Uh, memories. Uh, it's, uh, it's, and it ranges all over the place. Just sort of science fiction-y. Uh, all of it takes place at least somewhere in, in, a, in a version of some future stuff. He's even got a tribute to, uh, he even says he wrote one of the pieces literally after his friend introduced him to Mobius. So he's got sort of like a Mobius little reference piece, which is like all of four pages long. But uh, it's, oh, wow. yeah, it's groovy. It's groovy stuff. If you can find it, pick it up. Interesting stuff. Memories, Katsuhiro Tomo. Dom, what you got? Oh, well, uh, elevating my genre this week is definitely the Golden State Warriors winning the National Basketball Championship. You're dropping sports ball stuff on our geeky and podcast, dude. Not, not just because I'm a Bay Area person. And uh, by the way, the, everyone in national media who starts going about the San Francisco Warriors and oh, we're going to San Fran and like the Warriors are East Bay, the Warriors are Oakland for at least a couple more years. So fuck that. Okay, yes, um, that's that's important distinction. I appreciate that. What I really appreciate about this one was that it fit perfectly into this Star Wars esque narrative of a trilogy. If if anyone was paying attention. <laughs> It was it was not the it was not okay. the bit where the Bulls won three in a row or the Lakers won three in a row, and because honestly, what is the drama in winning three in a row? Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Once you won once, okay, 
Yeah. Where, where, where is the compelling thing in winning twice more in succession? <laughs> but if you were, you know, paying attention to this particular Warriors run of of, of greatness, the and uh, it entirely relies on you positing the Cavaliers as an evil empire or a, a role they play <laughs> pretty well. I mean, that's the way. Okay. But they, but these two pretty super strong teams met three years ago. The Warriors won the first battle. Um, all you know, with the some of the Cavaliers were depleted, and then in the in the sequel last year, um, it looked like it was going to happen again. But the Cavaliers won, and the Warriors had to regroup, and they mm. suffered a moment of uh, questioning, and then they went and found this wise elder with amazing basketball powers named Kevin Durant, uh-huh. who was you know, lost in the wastelands of Oklahoma, and they brought him back into the fold to <laughs> rejoin the battle against the Cavaliers. So for our final third act, there's even more colossal battle of the of the mm. two forces that have met before. And um, So wait, does this also mean that LeBron James is Darth Vader? He's definitely one of the Sith Lords. I mean, <laughs> also, I mean, yeah, again, again, without deviating too much into the purely sports ball commentary. The LeBron James, he's a, you know, he's a great guy in certain ways, but he's also hmm. like uh, uh, such a millennial personality, so completely <laughs> full of himself, as anyone would be from when they've been famous since they were in fucking high school. It's cool. You know, yeah. this, this, this follows. Um, but, you know, I, I like to say, you know, he can't get through a sentence without saying myself like four times. He's like, <laughs> you know, I don't know about me as far as me playing you know, and my legacy and what I did for myself. And then it's, it's just, <laughs> he's, he's that guy. He's Darth, he's Darth me. Yeah. And, um, Darth me. And, and I, he's, he, he he's, you know, it's survivable. He carries the Cavalier almost by himself. Despite Kyrie Irving's, Irving's great. And, but their, their bench doesn't do much. Anyway, the trilogy ends, um, when, you know the warriors get, and admittedly, a really powerful secret weapon to um, avenge their um, defeat in the second act. So, forgive my deep, year. my deep basketball. Um, I do know some sports ball people. I, I, I'm, 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 yeah, whatever. Um, well, it's, it's as geeky as it, anything else. It can be absolutely. When, when um, but but forgive my basketball, my basketball knowledge. Um, so literally, the last three championships have been these same two teams. Yes, which is why that's also everyone else in the country hates us. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> which that's is why awful. I was trying to search for a narrative which made this interesting. I, as dude, opposed you to fucking just... hit on it, dude. Nice, well done. I, I must admit, my I'm changing my. I'm changing my elevating my genre this week. I'm changing it to Dominic Ma and his ability to make sports ball geekery. Uh, that was awesome. <laughs> I mean, because really, people are really close to just demonizing the Warriors as the you know the most awful super team of collected money and egos ever. And ah, but 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 they can't quite because because they're nice guys. Yeah, that's true. Okay, they're, all right. They're, they're, they're generally nice folk. All right. Um, like the rebels, we don't know why. We don't know if they have good morals. We don't know if they fight. For right. <laughs> they just seem. They just seem nicer. Anyway, seem nicer. Right, we're not gonna okay. go too deep into that. But right. um, but it was a trilogy. I'll just say yeah, that which is helpful. It was yeah, a yeah. trilogy. It okay. wasn't like a streak. Yeah. No, it's good. It does. Yeah, I, I understand. It definitely had a dramatic punch. arc. You had a yeah. You had a you had a nice uh, from, depending on your point of view, of course who you're rooting for in the sports balling. You had a nice Empire Strikes Back moment. Lovely. Okay, <laughs> now that we're off the sports balling, um, we're going to get into it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, obviously, I think probably if you listen to this podcast, you might, you might skew a little older. I don't know, but maybe you don't. Maybe you're one of our younger fans. And all you know of Transformers is uh, the recent... Oh my god, well I guess it's going to be the fifth one that's going to drop eventually pretty soon, the Transformers movies by one Mr. Michael Bay, which I'm sure we'll we'll get to at the end and and, and do some heavy bashing of. Um but once upon a time it was a, it was a 
it was a genuinely crappily animated television show um, that was in the middle of the afternoon uh, and was, yes, very, uh, very uh, well known that it was only made into a cartoon so that Hasbro could pimp out its toys of mm-hmm. the Transformers, these ro- transforming robots. Um, some of designs which have been confirmed were definitely stolen from Japan <laughs> or borrowed heavily um, from specifically also the transforming Veritech was eventually adopted into a dude named Jetfire. Um, mm-hmm. Whatever. But it was a toy line and the cartoon landed. Now, the cartoon landed in my deep childhood uh, when I was looking for – I was still into toys and stuff. and But something about the TV show had some heart to it, and we'll get into that a little bit, I think, as we go on. And it was pretty awesome, um, and the toys were pretty badass, and the original ones were made out of – they were the last toys made out of die-cast metal. They had some heft to them, and you could transform them and beat the crap out of them, and they were cool. Man, fucking cars and planes turning into robots, what's not to like. Yeah. Um, and laser. It was a comic book, also, but the comic book no, I would say was not very good. Uh, the comic book definitely it's... followed on the heels of the cartoon, but for sure, yeah. Um, but yes, no. Eventually, the cartoon. I mean, the comic book eventually went off the cartoon, and whatever. It was not. Yeah. Wasn't similar good. similar path to GI Joe. That synergy. But... Yes, exactly. Whereas, unfortunately, where <clears throat> most people consider the GI Joe comic actually kind of stable and good. Um, the GI Joe comic is great. That was the ah, distinction I was making. There you go. Um, uh, anywho. Well written. In the after season two drops of Transformers, the animated TV show, that summer they announce that the Transformers, the animated movie, is hitting. Um, I lose my little mind and uh, I line up to go deal with this. Now, we're going to talk about this and I'm not exactly sure how. I mean, we, that's enough of a setup, I guess. But uh, did you, here, I'll start with this. Dom, did you see this in the theater? I saw Transformers the movie in the, the theaters. I, it it was wonderful. Yeah. It was, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did too. I think I had seen some of the TV ads, and yeah, it's it. Um, and by the way, the, not all of the of the first couple seasons of the cartoons were like I, I, the original like three part miniseries. Which kicked off all the Transformers legend. I thought was uh, was really well done. Yeah. And um, but Transformers the movie definitely take it took it to a new and un, sort of unexpected level. Yes, and we're gonna get into that. On I think that's part of what made it great. I just also need to throw in, basically in my household there was like four videotapes that were like on constant repeat whenever I had access to the TV and and the VHS or the Betamax at the same time. That those were simply Star Wars, Ghostbusters, The Goonies, and this fucking movie, right? And mm-hmm. Transformers the animated movie. I fucking watched those tapes until they fucking bled tape blood. Um I love them. So let's get into this. So uh, a little bit more setup for people. <laughs> so the thing is, is that Transformers was also a huge cultural phenomenon, right? It hit and it hit hard. Um, the toys were a monster, instantaneous monster success, like the success that I don't even know if this happens anymore, where people actually can't find, get their hands on the goddamn toy. Like parents were, it was one of those things where kids were nagging their parents and like parents would like murder each other to get their hands on Optimus Prime once, mm-hmm. you know, whenever he, whenever he was available in the store. Lines, fights. You know, Christmas time was like crazy Transformers time. Like again, I'm not sure this happens anymore, but uh, we... and there was no online shopping, right? Yes, so it was different. You, it you... was like I didn't even know I had to like figure out where to buy a Transformer. I was saving money just like I was saving money to buy comics. I was saving money to buy my next Transformer. They're super collectible. Um, I like that about them. Um, and like you know that that Christmas was the the first Christmas of Transformers was the Christmas of Transformers, right? Like like it was news that you know. Target was sold out, or not Target, uh, Kmart, or whatever. Everybody, Toys R Us, that's what it was. That was the big, that was mm-hmm. the big brand, right? They'd be sold out, so there'd be a mob at fucking Toys of parents trying to buy whatever Transformers they could get their hands on. Um, so it was a cultural phenomenon. The TV show did did super super well. Hasbro seemed like a genius, um, even though they got a lot of flack for uh, again trying to just you know create a story that was nothing but a. Nothing but an IP tie-in, right? Um, and definitely, this you can always bl- you can blame Mr. Lucas. This is all Mr. Lucas's fault, um, but it's really not. But basically, um, it was. So, well, mm-hmm. I think we should unpack that a little bit, uh, okay. Chris, because yeah, um, it's a a special feature of Transformers that yes, it it 
barely has a story, really. It's it really of, doesn't. of all the of all the stories, it has it has no love story. It is nope. basically about good robots fighting bad robots. Well, wait, are we talking and, about? Well, the TV show technically has. I mean, some people have pointed this out. It's a, it's a love affair between Spike and Bumblebee, right? Like it's the love a boy has for his car. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, really personified. I, I, I feel I feel that was retconned by the Bay films. Actually, I don't know. Maybe I've, I. You think that's a retcon? I, I, I don't think that. I don't believe that. Here's my thesis. I don't believe the cartoon era had any human elements, really, and yet it still survived. Except in the case of okay, I'm I'm sorry. I'm gonna make a, a weird uh, claim here, but it does tie back to the animated movie. And all right. I'm gonna go on a slightly different tack and say, you know, of all the superstar geek things that i enjoy transformers is the one i'm actually ashamed of <laughs> like in my in my adult life it's the one that actually seems to have the least redeeming social value partly because the bay movies became such a sure. atrocity. yes and partly because when i look into it what's fueling that uh that IP is the most, uh, it's the most infantile things. It is most, <laughs> is the most like, is most like, Hey, do you want to see my cool car? And hey, yeah. do you want to see my cool shiny thing. And the, uh, the, the, the pickiness with gadgetry and changing things around. And, and it doesn't have much of a human element, except in this completely perfunctory way. You could say it's a story of aliens discovering the planet. And they, you know, they do play with this on the cartoon series a little bit. Anyway, I'm going to say of all those things, I'm really kind of no, it's mortified of myself it's... for liking Transformers so much, except for in the case of the animated movie, because right. the animated movie, because they made a very coherent story that just hits all your dramatic buttons in a mythic way. Right. In that mythic way that doesn't necessarily need a, uh, need a love story. Right. Or even interest. And um, so... That I, I think that's why the animated movie was a very special achievement. Mm. Um, it's related to the Transformers because it was one of the only cases of really elevating that whole universe uh, right. into um, uh, in, into the area of myth and and sort of classic storytelling when it could have when it wasn't really built to to do that. Well, I mean, again, it I think built, been built I th to be gladiatorial combat. Right. Anyway, I mean, sorry, yeah, no, definitely. It was like, it was definitely, you know, just cool transforming robots fighting for like no, no particular reason why they're fighting on earth does not fucking matter. Energon cubes, fuck off. Like who cares? However, I do believe a lot of people latched on to the, the relationship between Spike and Bumblebee and Spike and, and Optimus Prime. I mean, I even remember when the, when they dropped the idea that it was going to be a live action animated mm -hmm. thing. I mean, live action, uh, fucking movie. There was such love that came out for Robert Cullen, who is the voice actor of Optimus Prime, that they had to cast that dude because a lot of people associated him with, like, being a dad. Like, like mm -hmm. there is something there. He is incredibly paternal. Uh, and a very <laughs> paternal figure. Um, and he's huge, and he's not, he's not cuddly, but he's, there's something... I don't know if it's the voice or the weird fact that he has no mouth, but he's got that weird mouth thing that flaps, and, like... He's, but he's, he's super approachable and he's a fucking truck, right? Like what little boys, like little boys mm -hmm. freak out about fucking airplanes and trucks, right? Fruck. Like every, every, every other third kid I know, mm -hmm. boy, is like his first word is fruck for God's sakes, right? So, um, I think it's something about the truck. Well, he transforms into your dad, I didn't right? I that. This is the Belgian thing? Yeah. No, I don't know. Yeah, we, we like it if dad is a truck. Yeah, we'd like it if a dad was a truck, right? I mean, I, there's something, there's something super cool about that and he's super protective and, and, and whatever. Um, so, I mean, but yes, no, I, I, that is a very good self-observation because you're right. Uh, I feel the same way. I, I feel like I, if I ever talk about Transformers, it's one of the only things I have to feel like I have to explain probably like outside of like, okay, I understand you have no idea why you think, why I think this is cool. So like I have to, I feel do defensive, defensive about it. And I, but I've been very defensive about the, the movie for years and years and years, like, um, like trying to force people to understand, um, which I'm not, which is interesting because it is also of those movies, like Ghostbusters, those movies I made, Star Wars, Ghostbusters, and Goonies. Like, if you have no connection to those stories or whatever, 
you can pretty much just come to that and it's it's pretty awesome. I'm not sure you can come to Transformers the animated movie without a little bit of Transformers love in you already mm-hmm. and like discover mm-hmm. something. Do you know what I mean? Like because what you just said is right. The movie elevates that story so well and we're going to get into why. But uh, that I'm just not sure you can just dr- – it never worked for me. I don't know if you ever tried to show it. Be like, no, no, sit down, watch this. It's cool. I did that for like at least three <laughs> yeah, or four people. Case. No. There was like three or four people, and they looked at me like just dumbfounded. Like, are we going to spend – like after a half an hour, are we going to spend another hour on this thing? And I'm like, yes, of course we are because it's so awesome. Look how awesome it is. And like they just I – have have, I have never shown it to anyone who didn't have love for it that uh, – and it won them over. Like never. And that is not true with most of the things that I show people. Have you had any success like bringing people to this movie? Um, I don't believe so. Um, unless they already had the transforming toy somewhere on their shelf. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's, 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 it's interesting. It fits. It's such a weird, I don't know. It is. It, I think this movie fits in such a weird place in pop culture. Um, and particularly, well, obviously, yeah. and I, and it certainly won't, it will not outlive us. Like, I really don't think it will. Like, <laughs> honestly, this is not like, where's those other three movies? Pretty sure, you know, our great, uh, you know, a version of our great, great grandkids could throw it on and be like, this is pretty cool. You throw this thing on and they'll be like, what the shithole? Um, yes, my great, great grandchildren swear, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah. Because it's also, it's also a musical and it's sort of like, like one of those <laughs> 80s metal musicals. I mean, uh, we can go, right, soundtrack is that's thing part of the thing sure. that's, that uh, ennobles it so much. Mm. Um, okay, all right. Let's let's for people. All right, we're getting a little deep already. So I, let, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to some surface stuff just to also like so that we can okay. sort of connect to the movie. All right. So first of all, we just have to talk about the cast because the cast is so bizarre and has such a few things in it that oh, are right. so particular. Excellent cast. Okay, yeah. so it's got an excellent cast, but it is possibly the weirdest assemblage of assemblages of humans. Just anywhere. Also, can you even guess who – did you notice who has top billing in this goddamn movie? Jeez, top billing? I don't know what yes. top billing would be. Uh, fucking – it's 80 it, – it's, it's not Judd Nelson? No, it's not. It's fucking 86, and I don't know how this happened. I mean, Monty Python was a thing, right? It was, was kind of ascending as a thing, and the, and the pythons – I guess, you know what? A Fish Called Wanted happened. John Cleese was a big deal. I guess Eric the Viking had hit, but that was that didn't hit at all, but whatever. Fucking Eric Idle has top billing in this movie. Ladies and gentlemen, this is also weird because not only was there Judd Nelson, who most of you probably don't even remember, but who was an up-and-coming sort of young actor at the time. Goddamn Orson Welles is in this movie. Leonard Nimoy. Mm-hmm. None of the original voice actors get billing at all, <laughs> by the way. Uh, get a single oh, title card. Oh, yeah, they card. loaded it with stars. Yeah, right. And Well, stars. Robert Stack is in this movie. Yeah. Dude, fucking John Mashita. Okay, let's talk about real quick. We got to talk about John Mashita just for two seconds. This is a man who was famous for talking fast, people. Nobody probably remembers mm-hmm. this. He became famous on the back of a, also a toy. Do you remember which one it was, brother? Mm, no. He uh, was the advertising voice for Micro Machines, right? So oh, Micro Machines. Micro Machines were tiny little cars that you could rev up with a stupid little pump, and they would shoot across your floor really fast. So they yeah, hired... those things that they didn't transform into robots. No, so, they did nothing. Mm-hmm. Who gives a shit about them, right? But John Machida literally became famous for talking fast in those commercials, right? And he became a fast talker. So he was yeah. cast in this fucking movie. Um, yeah. Scatman. I think that might have been alphabetical order, dude. I mean, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not because it goes Eric Idle, then Judd Nelson, and then it's and it well, skips to Robert Stack. Like it's bizarre. Yes, they don't have. They're going by last name alphabetical order. They Mas- John Mashita is after everybody. Anybody. John Mashita's last name starts All with right, an M. It's not, dude. Eric Idle gets top. Anyway, but Eric Idle is in Monty Python. Let's the, the, right. skip over like, that part. And, what it's, the fuck? And, and he's he's great. He's perfectly cast as a yes. ranting uh, junkie on junkie on Rekkar. Good name though. All right, so just it's a weird cast. And yes, in in movie history, it goes down literally as or, not only as Scatman Crothers' last movie. And I'm not mm. even gonna bother to tell you who that is if you don't know. It's Orson Welles' last performance. Okay, people. Yeah. Like crazy pants. Literally, Orson Welles dies five days after he finishes recording the voice of Unicron. Um, 
So there you go. Man, if you, can you imagine if there was a live action movie with Joe Nelson, Eric Idle, <laughs> Orson Welles, and Leonard Nimoy? Yeah, like, and Robert now, Stack. That shit would be a national treasure. And Robert Stack and fucking, uh, fucking Scatman Crothers and uh, uh, Casey Kasem. And like, it's, yeah. it is a crazy pants lineup. Okay. And, and like, to be honest with you, I say that list and I am not excited to see that movie, like, at all. <laughs> We do know who okay. these people are. Hasbro made enough money to pull all these people in, right? So right. that's crazy. So real quick, we'll talk about the uh, – We need. To, I want to bring up the writer because I think it's important. He's a guy named Ron Friedman, which I am assuming nobody knows because I don't, um, who is known uh, for – he did end up doing a lot of work on G.I. Joe as well uh, and did a bunch of Marvel's 90s stuff, which I found out, uh, 90s mm, cartoons, Marvel 90s good. cartoons, which I never really watched. Um, he did, in fact, do a Wonder Woman episode. Shout out to our last episode. Um, mm-hmm. And then here's his big deal. Fucking Fantasy Island. Dude did a shit ton of Fantasy oh, Island. Um, and he has a lot of journeyman 70s work. Now, this TV back in the 70s was, uh, was an interesting – wasn't – a lot of things weren't necessarily run off of writer's rooms. You could pitch for a single episode kind of a deal, and he clearly was very good at that because he's got a huge list of that. But – he gets the job, and he's and he wrote like one episode of the TV show. So, uh, for those that don't know, Transformers the animated movie is also a Marvel production. Marvel Productions was pulled in to uh, help out with this. So, this is, I'm assuming this is where this guy sort of transitions also over to Marvel at that mm-hmm. point. So, who we got to talk very long before Marvel was the huge empire it was yes, a totally yes. totally different incarnation of their uh, you know very much TV. So. Uh, Right. Yeah, but absolutely. Just for clarification. Yeah. So let's. It's time to talk plot because this is, for me, where everything gets elevated. Right. This is where things mm-hmm. happen. Oh, also, I just gotta say, I had no idea what I. I did just do a rewatch of this. I had no idea it took place in two thousand five. That's so great. Um, I, the year is two thousand five. Yeah, I was so like, it what? Took place in the past. No, so yes, it already. When, how'd you do, when, when did you think it take? I, I, I like didn't even. I just assumed, 1980 land. I thought so. And I was like, it's 2005. Holy shit balls! I had no idea. That's just. I thought that was awesome. Um, for for me, that's part of the allure. It was the it's yeah. the flash forward. Yeah, it's a flash. So the, that's the thing. You know, the next generation, not exactly the post apocalypse, but like no. the next the next phase. Right. Yeah. For those that don't know, this takes place between season two and season three of the of the show, and the, the season two ends, and then. It, the movie flashes forward twenty years, which was kind of which was a great hook for me because I was like, "Oh, what are we doing? How what's 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 have changed, right?" And what has changed is that the fucking Decepticons have basically won, which is really a cool setup, right? We're heading towards a dystopia. Decepticons have taken over the home planet of the Autobots, which they were trying to do, which means the Autobots are left defending Earth, which is an interesting thing. Anywho, mm-hmm. then but that's not even how the movie opens, right? Let's stop for a second. Let's go backwards. It opens with a goddamn genocide, okay? This movie, this animated film from 1986 opens with a robot genocide. A monster mm. planet, man, I mean that monster planet is a planet who is a monster, <clears throat> shows a up. A planet aside, really. A planet aside, yes. Shows up and eats another planet. And they don't softball this. He doesn't just sort of like wander up and just eat this unknown planet. No, we spend like three minutes with... This, this little planet, and there's a super peaceful race, apparently, and there's scientists, and there's little kids running around, and then this planet just fucking up and murders all of them in the first 90, 90 to 260 seconds of this movie. It's such a crazy opening for a kid's movie, and mm, even yeah. as a kid, I was like, I was... Lord, yeah. thank God I had Robotech in my life already, and so I could take it. But yeah, it was <laughs> a Robotech level of mass destruction. I'm sorry, I forgot about the impact of that because we're so so jaded to it now. But yes, that was even watching it now. I was, ladies, I folks out there, I was watching this. I had a stupid acting gig in Amsterdam. I was watching this on the train, and that thing, and that happened, and I was like. Fuck, I just, like, there's nothing. There's nothing to set it up. It's just, like, the fucking, it's before the credits hit. Like, just planet comes, Unicron shows up and just murders a billion people. And then just flies off into space. Um, 
So there's that. I think that is one of that is just such a strange decision to make, but it's awesome. Again, for me, it was awesome because again, I, I mentioned this in a Robotech episode. Robotech set me up for like wanting to take my animation seriously, and it's and that is not softballed. Like it is a bunch of people dying, and you kind of feel it, even though you don't. You haven't been with these people. Poor Kranix. We got to talk. We'll talk about Kranix later, who's a character mm-hmm. who manages to to escape Unicron's genocide. Um, and then get just to get fucked over later as a plot point later. It's not even a plot point, just to get fucked over again later. Um, and he just murders people, and it, and you feel something, and it's just it's scary, and it's uh, and it's it's super effective, um, and it's fucking Orson Welles as a planet eating eating people. So hmm. then, the movie has the fucking balls to then we get a little bit of setup. And then we just straight up murder Autobots. It's just fucking Autobot murder. Like, it's murder, murder, murder. Weapons suddenly work in this world. (laughs) Like, laser beams suddenly pierce people through the chest. And we watch... We watch the eye... My favorite thing is we watch the eyes blink and fade out as these Autobots die. These fucking characters that we love and we identify and and have names for us that we have spent time with just straight up finally get murdered by the guy who's supposed to be the murdering asshole. How did that affect you, I haven't you, seen dude? that before. Yeah. How did that affect you, Dom? Like, I mean, in the movie theater, I was fucking shocked. Definitely. I mean, it was a, it was a case of the, the evil felt real for... The threat felt real. And they did a wonderful job of creating the... You know, what, what can we against these kind of indestructible robots who don't have, you know, the emotional weaknesses that we do. Oh, well, let's have a whole planet that they have to face. It has to be like a whole planet that destroys other planets. And, um, and yeah, they um, killed Ironhide and Ratchet in a brutal display of laser fire. And, um, yeah, that was, that was, that was new. And it, and again, they don't. It's not soft. It's not like they get shot at the at the edge of the frame and they fall over. It's straight up close up murder, yeah. right? Yeah. And we watch, like I said, we watch the lights go out in their eyes. Um, yeah. And the expression on their faces. And my favorite bit. It's one of my favorite on screen deaths of all time. Is Megatron butts into the ship, shoots a bunch of motherfuckers, stands up, calls Scarscream an idiot for a reason, says his evil plot, and Ironhide, who is dying climbs up his leg and goes no and reaches up and from below we look up to Megatron's face who's by the way carrying this giant cannon on his arm which is now literally an Ironhide's face we pan up from that to this you know super evil low shot on Megatron where he looks into the camera and says such heroic nonsense and then blow obviously blows Ironhide's head off like we don't see that but that's what happens and the voice actor, and I can't remember the voice actor, unfortunately, who does Megatron off the top of my head right now, uh, just absolutely kills it. And that is the other thing. It's not Frank just... Frank Welker. Frank Welker, is that his name? Or Weller or Welker or Weller? I can't remember. But <clears throat> the acting in this, the voice acting in this is absolutely stellar. And it's not just because of these sort of named people that we said, because even they <clears throat> do a great job. Orson Welles, for as cantankerous as a fucker as he was at the end of his wow. life, he fucking delivers a fucking killer performance in this. Um, but that performance from Frank Welker and that line, I said that line on a loop my entire childhood. <laughs> such heroic. And then, like, I just tried to imitate it my entire life. It's, it was, and it was so powerful. Um, and then, of course, and then after murdering these four Autobots on this stupid shuttle, then they siege a city. There's a siege of Autobot City that also then murders, straight up murders a bunch of Autobots. Mm-hmm. And that's just, and it's, and yes, all right, this is where we can stop and talk about the crassness behind this, these plot points, because, which was, Hasbro was like, nope, for whatever reason, they made this huge, bold decision that they were going to wipe out their previous toy line and introduce new toys. Um, mm-hmm. When the old toys, I, I think, were selling just fine, but whatever, they were trying to inject new blood, and they made this plot decision that, nope, we're going to kill all of these <clears throat> characters. They're, we're not going to quietly retire them. They're not going to whatever. We're going to kill them all. And then mm-hmm. made the decision, the big decision that everybody talks about, which we'll talk about in a second. 
for so, the next generation. For the next generation, which is which I don't think we see anymore, right? Does this happen if there is a show that's in continuity that wants to move forward? Who fucking wipes out the whole cast? Has can you think of another incidence where this happened? Because I cannot. I'll I'll think about that one. I, yeah, I mean it is a very special case, and um, and the, yeah, now that you mentioned it, I mean there there's sort of the. Uh, there's the novelty of the realization that a robot can die. That would, I mean, I guess that's part of the film's power. And I mean, robots have died before. They kind of, but there's a good tragic robot death scene in, say, the black hole or something like that. Yes. That's kind of a weird cognitive dissonance thing. And then, yeah, the <clears throat> I just wonder about that kid Transformers fan who needed the next generation of toy and said something like, you know. But mommy, you know, Ironhide's dead. I need to. <laughs> I want the one that's alive. I, I just wonder if there was that level oh my God. of 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 you know of of living through the movie that would that would that right. was mommy, what, what mommy, Hasbro was intending. The, uh, mommy, mommy, I don't want the dead one. Yeah, yeah so like I, you imagine you have these toys and then you know they're dead. <laughs> it is. It. Oh my God! I never even thought about that. It makes them like weird like plaything grave markers i mean potentially good narratives where you get to bring them to life but you know somewhere in the back of your head it was canonized that they were exploded so <laughs> yeah of course you you're even more compelled to want the fresh new ones to sort of okay but but here's the past. thing did this work for you because it did not for me like story-wise oh, well, it worked brilliantly but it didn't make me want the new because i want to talk about that because i think we haven't talked a lot about the rest of what, what makes the movie really quite good. But at the end, if we said that the whole point of this was for Hasbro to instill in me to want to buy the new characters, I, I didn't give a shit about the new characters. I really didn't. Oh, huh. Okay. I know. Did you? I mean, I mean that's, again, I, mean, I may be of, a liar. I don't this know. Is, uh, this is part of the shameful part of it. I mean, I just wanted the hot rod because I like that ah. kind of car. Hey, I like that kind of space-age future car that was, was most of that generation. Ah, um, I okay. still, still, Galvatron was still a stupid toy. He looked ridiculous as a robot and transformed into a rather ridiculous standing artillery piece. <laughs> um, but in fact, I believe all the all the Decepticon uh, characters from that era were still awkward, tr awkward yeah. transforms, awkward plays. I'm but Hot Rod was cool. Hot Rod was cool for you. I thought Hot Rod was terrible. I really hated Hot Rod. Oh, as a character. Yes, and the design. I wasn't ha I wasn't happy a, about the design. It's, it's a I, I like those spaceship-looking cars. You see, again, it's a, it's mm. an infantile weakness. It's all good, I, and I and I don't know why. I adored this yeah. movie when half of it has characters in it that I don't care about, like at all. I sort of I'm on my this rewatch. I sort of like Cup. I and that that guy Lionel uh, Stander. I don't even know who he is. He also got a pretty high billing. I have to check him out because mm -hmm. I loved his voice performance. It's great, but like. Yeah, no, I didn't give two shits about, like, the helicopter guy, RC, Wheelie. Oh, God, I want to murder Wheelie. And, like, yeah, I did not – I must admit, as far as I remember, I think this was the death knell for me even buying the toys. Like, I don't – I didn't care about any no, of these so characters. That, well, that's definitely the opposite effect. Yeah, no, I had, it had the exact opposite effect on me, and I, th I don't know. I don't know which – it's interesting to know which of us figured – figure yeah. out if, which of us is in the, in the minority here. I don't know. And again, and, and again you know, for my money, the, the – Again, we're putting trans the animated movie as the high point. All the cartoons yes. after that continued to sort of mm. underwhelm. Can we say so? There, I mean, yeah. I'm just saying there wasn't. There probably wasn't another point after that where the where the where the TV movie wing would, you know, synergize to make you engaged in the in in the toys again. Yeah, that no, was their, that was their gambit. There, I remember I, tuning in I'm for guessing. the. Yeah, I'm sure we're not spoiling anything for the rebirth of Prime. I think I remember that. Um, yeah, that was but just again, that was kind just of the, the 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 movie slightly re revamped for the TV episodic, right? Right, or whatever was, they did. Yeah, they they brought him back by the end of season three, I think, if I remember right, or yeah. the middle of season three or something. Uh, yeah, I just did not care about Hot Rod. I didn't care about any of the new characters. I don't know why. Um, uh, it just they just didn't hit me. So um, okay, but did you really care about the old characters, or just when I, they got I, blown away? That is an interesting question. Um, did I give a shit about Ironside until he got murdered in such a spectacular fashion? Probably not. It's probably true. No, I mean, he I did have know. a different personality in the cartoons. Okay, but 
Yeah. No, Shin, definitely. Me. I mean, I never cared about Bumblebee, like like that relationship between Spike and Bumblebee. Like, I was not. A, see, this is the other thing. This is the other problem. I'm actually not a car guy. I was, and I was never a car kid. I mean, there was a couple of like Hot Wheels that I was like deeply attached to because they were mine and they were super cool and they 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 were awesome for whatever reason. But like, I never translated that into the real world. I was never like, oh, cars are cool in reality. I just thought they were cool toys. Some some cars were cool toys. <clears throat> so I was into the transforming ro- fighting robot part, right? Obviously. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, so that was that. So. I don't know. I guess I, yeah, I think I, I guess, I mean, I knew, I mean, that was the other crazy thing is like every time an Autobot showed up on screen that I knew that I owned, I was like, I remember that name, Ratchet, we, uh, you know, like fucking, I knew mm-hmm. way too many names I, that I thought I had forgotten. Sure. Even sitting here, I can't even remember, but I, you show me that picture and I'm like, boom, that's their name. Mm-hmm. Um, Wheeljack. Yeah. Fucking, and you, why do and I you know felt them in your hands. Yeah. And done this kind of thing. visceral thing of yeah. rearranging and, their bodies into different forms. But you, so, make a, you know. but you make a great point. Like the plot point of them dying maybe made them more special. I don't know. Or more memorable to me. I, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, and also dying with cheesy 80s rock music. Let's not holy leave fuck. that out. Okay, wait a minute. That hold on. very now, important. I will die on this hill. That is not cheesy music. That music is awesome. I am, yeah, I, cheesy, And that's the other thing. Is, like, I, was I a, meant cheesy in a good way. I was a big, I, I must admit, I, okay, I was a big fan of this kind of music at this time, too. I was fine. I was growing my hair long. It was 86. I was into fucking metal people. Like, uh, well, metal. This, this version of metal. I hadn't gotten deep into speed metal yet or anything like that, but that was coming. But yes, no, this, I also absolutely destroyed the, the cassette tape of this fucking soundtrack. Like, I wore that shit out. I knew all the songs. I still know all the songs. I know all the names of the bands for no reason whatsoever. None of those bands ever became anything. Um, <clears throat> uh, yes, anytime The Touch shows up anywhere, I'm like, motherfucker, Transformers the animated movie, fuck you, wouldn't exist without it. Um, there you go. Uh, yes, and it was awesome. And that's, this is also where I want to talk about the animation style. The animation style in this movie is so confusing. It is, and it's because Toei Animation were the people who actually ended up cranking this shit out. So it's got these... It's got this American animation, crappy TV version of anim- American animation, TV animated movies, uh, TV animated series feel. Then it's got the Tohei elements of anime, of straight up J- Japan anime. You know, like that shot up on Megatron is not is is a freaking anime shot. When like they introduce the Matrix, like they show it right to the mm. camera. There's a couple of mm. shots that repeat themselves, which is a very Japanese trope. And then they layer in just a couple, and it's hard to detect, but if you watch enough spaced out, whacked out 70s animation, like shit like Fire and Ice I'm talking about, a few Bakshi things, um, shit like City of Light, there's a couple of weird Mobius stuff that's influenced, some heavy metal, um, actually the, the animated movie as well. There's a couple of weird touches like around with the Sharktacons and stuff like that when they're on these weird, the Junkion planet, the planet of junk. It's got mm-hmm. these weird 70s animated elements to it as well, which sure, sure. is a crazy pastiche of shit that I love. So that helps. So I like that stuff too. So that helps me. Um, the animation style makes me excited. Um, do you feel that way and at all? It also varies widely. For, for yes. Possibly for budgetary and possibly for just for mm-hmm. you know, you know uh, outsourcing reasons. Yes. Did you feel that way? Even when you were a kid, but did all- you groove on that did you realize that was happening or or like well i realized they had put a lot more effort into it than into the tv show <laughs> for sure <laughs> it, it just it looked it looked slick and i was uh, i appreciated it looking slick yeah cool um yeah it was just it's an interesting thing to take it, it it's it's an interesting thing to take into account um uh Sorry, I would also. I'm also remiss. I didn't mention the director's name. The director's name is Nelson Shin, a, a guy who still works in animation today. So there you go. Um, and since we we're talking, we're talking about the music. So there's there's this was a popular thing in the '80s, ladies and gentlemen. You put out a soundtrack, which was the the songy songs, the pop quote unquote pop pop songs in your song. But you also had a score that you then released, and sometimes you release them both at the same time and call it a soundtrack. But the score is done by one Vince Dicola, uh, or Dicola, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, I'm pretty sure it's Dicola, of who I'm not who did the fucking Rocky theme, among other things, mm-hmm. um, and has and went on to have quite a, a decent sound, sound a film score career. And it is 
so beautifully 80s. The fucking synthesizer score for this is great um, and has a couple mm-hmm. of really kick-ass themes. Do you have a – Tom, this is your bailiwick. He you want to talk about that. expert in the training montage <laughs> yes. song genre, I believe, and that, that ramping up sort of feeling. And uh, Yeah, we talked a little bit about this uh, in the that guest episode I had with H.P. Mendoza, and he knew a bit more about like how Ticola's work like infiltrated into video games. Well, but yeah, basically it was just um, off, off to fight the super battle for justice and truth. Yeah, man, <laughs> you can't get better than some of those, some of that score. And it's oft, and it was oft imitated. That's the other thing. I think this dude doesn't mm-hmm. get enough credit. That like, um, whereas John Carpenter has a certain uh, film score synthesizer aesthetic. The synthesizer mm-hmm. aesthetic that Vince Dicola has not only affected cinema, but it really, I think, it really affected pop music as well. Right, um, there's a lot of pop music that pull, or maybe it's maybe it's a cross pollination thing that was going on at the time. But there are certain sounds and certain little tropes that he has that really were everywhere. Um, and as far as and the way they penetrated my brain was was this guy was from was not only this score, this this the some of the Rocky stuff. Not that I was even a big Rocky fan. It was just so much in the ether you couldn't escape it. Um, uh, and he just yeah, I think he, I think he's an underrated underrated dude yeah um he doesn't only get enough and only gets enough uh credits uh creds <clears throat> did great work on that yeah and uh and yeah and, and you know we we might sound like weirdos but but again just for purpose of comparison uh gi joe the animated movie does not have as much craftsmanship <laughs> as Transformers <laughs> animated movie. they made a similar thing called gi joe the animated movie and that did not have the same level of attention and artistry. Yeah, no, um, I, it's it's. Look, we don't have is, to talk about that one at all. I was just pointing it out. No, we're not going to talk about it. Exposition. Um, I do. I mean, I hate to say this. it. You know, a ri- you know, I had a fantasy in like my twenties that this was, you know, like an actual piece, a well written piece of. Th- stuff that like the writers and the directors came up with like all the death and they wanted to take it seriously no it turns out it's just it's a it's a strange wonderful mix where like somehow this crass commercialism got in the hands of a couple of creators who just ran with it and it works Mm -hmm. um and it works because it's and this is where i have to talk about the script a little bit like the other thing the script does the script doesn't talk down to you at any moment. Doesn't doesn't talk down to children. Like there's fucking some of the best lines. One of Unicron's line is your bargaining your bargaining posture is highly dubious. I mean Oh that, that was a good line. <laughs> that is talking up to kids. Like, no, we're not like using simple language. Like, and there's such like even Megatron's moment where he fucking shoots Optimus Prime, his lines are fall, fall. And like just like I don't know. Like you said, it's just mythic. Like it was just like knights of your doing battle, and and they let them have that language, and mm-hmm. like this. And I felt as a kid, as a young kid, being smart enough to really understand that, right? And I didn't feel like I said I mm-hmm. never felt talked down to in this TV. Sh- in this, uh, sorry, I don't know about the TV show. I don't remember what the language was like in the TV show, but in this movie, man, <clears throat> it's just yeah, it was just super. Uh, you know pretty highbrow some pretty highbrow some wonderfully yeah. highbrow dialogue when they're not doing the stupid shit where they're like making puns on i don't know if it's a pun when you call something a deceptive crap or a deceptive uh deceptive junk and every auto you know like they're doing these weird uh, they're not spoonerisms either i don't even know what it is where they basically change the end of autobot and decepticon into another word to try to make it into like a weird insult okay yes. that stuff is kind of and it's every and by the and i forgot it's like every fifth line, um, and there are certain characters like that's their whole thing. Um, so that's terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grimlock is—I te- forgot how how absolutely terrible Grimlock is in terms of like him like Grimlock kick butt and then literally kicks Unicron in the butt. Um, so all right, but I, I they, lied. Did, they I, did also curse a couple times in the movie, and that yes. was exciting for purely for purely young kids. Very exciting for me. Uh, I was also pissed off. I insisted on getting the videotape where they didn't edit that stuff out. For those yeah, who don't they, they know, did it out for some of the home videos. For some of the home videos, they edited that shit out. So I insisted on finding Protecting the ones protecting the children from cursing in in the face of apocalypse. Right, and like again, I just it's just such a wonderful double standard in America. Like it's okay we have a genocide in this movie. It's okay, like these kids' favorite toys get 
just murdered in front of them. But one of the characters saying shit is a, is a field too far. Um, so it's just, it's, it, it's steeped in that kind of lore for me as well. Is like part of me, even as a kid, was like, look in the. I remember being in the movie theater, looking around, being like, "How did they get away with this?" Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, but you know, that's that's another like subtle example of the filmmakers really taking it seriously because they knew that planet getting destroyed is a big deal. You know, they could have just made it all happen in you know, uh, you know, science fiction robot land, but they insert just that little thing of him going, "Holy shit." breaking the rules of the children's show right sort of locked us into that oh that destroying the whole planet also breaks the kind of just a little <laughs> the concept we were living in <laughs> and again it's not and if it that, was just and a... that's it's, it's tiny but it's 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 really it's really clever they were making a very uh uh, a very layered and effective. I don't know what we call it. They're like those narrative ads we have right now. Except that was a really mm. good example of one. You know, the, the ads which are really movies. But like, you know, you get handed this project and you want to, you know, get the most drama you can out of it. And those Transformers, the, these guys, yeah. they did it. Yeah, there's... as opposed to the ones we have now, which is sort of a case in the completely, completely opposite case. Right, which I, which don't, don't take advantage of any to, kind of narrative. At what I don't, point I don't, you want to plunge into the uh, <laughs> why we hate the, the Michael Bay the movies? Terrible ending. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's it is. Well, hold on, I want to say a little bit more about this. Like, because yeah, yeah, I do have a special love for those movies that I found as a kid, where I did. That's the exact feeling I had, which was like, I don't know if I thought that the the creators were getting away with something or I was getting away with something watching it. Like, it was the same feeling I had the first time I watched Evil Dead Two. I was like. Does anybody know this is happening? Like this, there's mm-hmm. no way somebody approved this. How did this happen? Mm-hmm. How has this gotten in front of me? <laughs> right. Um, I'm trying to think of another experience I had with that. Um, I mean, Aliens has that to a certain extent. It's like, why did they let this movie happen? Like, it's so. Yeah, yeah. It's it's such a good blend of of action and character and blah 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 and it's the same thing like i i don't know i i personally adore that i'm not sure i get that anymore um maybe just because old and not even old but just like growing up and all of that stuff but like yeah someone it feels like someone got away with something with this movie that's and that's the love i have for it it's one of the loves i have for it um because it's got a bunch of stuff in there that just should not just just shouldn't fucking be there and the goddamn movie ends with Oh, there's like five Autobots still left alive, and then Unicron like literally tears himself apart. His head explodes off his body, and the closing image of this movie is his head is now in orbit around Cybertron. That's crazy. That is mm-hmm. a crazy ending to a children's animated movie. I can't. It's hard to process. And only achievable if you have a planet-sized robot. And no, nowhere else can you even design the image of a moon that's a head. That's a unless head. you had a really big body to start with. And a head that you that you killed, that you had a hand in murdering. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. The implications good. are so intense, and yeah, that was the Greek one thing I was right there. Yeah, some Greek god shit. That was the one thing I remember. I was like, I sort of begrudgingly tuned back into the third season of Transformers to see, really just to see what they were going to do with Unicron's fucking head. And they actually use it. They do end up using yeah. it. Like, uh, if I remember right, the Decepticon, at one point the Decepticons use it as a base to launch an attack from. Yeah, and like, I think so. Or something crazy I mean, like they, that. They don't have moons anymore. So yes, that's, right. That's Unicron ate the moons. So anyway, it was... Uh, but yeah, so there you go. I, we'll take it. And it was also it was it was the the film violated little strictures that you didn't really know you had, and that was kind of a yeah, that's that a kind of that, interesting feeling while experiencing. That's it. a great point. Yeah, it's also maybe that's why I also have such a strong memory of like actually finding my love for certain horror movies, like watching Evil Dead Two and mm. being like, no, I was used to be I used to be scared of this, and now I really love this, and I didn't know mm. I could even cross that threshold. Maybe that's that's a very good point, dude. That's a fantastic point. I don't know. But, yeah, there you go. Okay, so, yes, all right, really briefly, we'll shit on Michael Bay for a little bit. Because um, here was the thing. When the first Transformers movie came out, whatever, live action, Michael Bay fuckery, I went and saw it and was like, oh, the th- main thing I was disappointed was there was no, absolutely no reference whatsoever to the animated movie. 
right, outside of the fact of some voice actors. I was so disappointed that this movie was made. That movie was clearly made for eight-year-olds and eight to 12-year-olds in a way that, like, it didn't talk up to anybody. It didn't have any moments of plot that were interesting. It was just a boy in his car and a bunch of giant transforming robots fighting. And then by the, so by the end, I left, and it was the first movie I left, and I ever said, oh, I got everything I needed from the trailer. I saw big, giant, transforming robots actually fighting, and they pulled that off, and that's all I needed, and that was it. Um, I wanted, I don't know, yeah, what I wanted would never happen today, right? Which is, I wanted Transformers the animated movie. I wanted it to take itself seriously. I wanted, mm. I wanted, I wanted potent character interaction that then had you know somebody die in it, and you didn't get any of that. But you got cool transforming robots fighting each other in a slightly believable way. So I was like, meh, that was all I felt about that movie. That's literally, that's, that was the end result of me watching that movie. Right. But, but there are references to the animated movie, and I just say that because it's, instru- it's instructive because they're stupid. Ah, they're okay, let's point movie. those out. Okay, very, what are they? Uh, I'm trying to know, remember. They said there is a big battle between Megatron and... Um, in Optimus Prime, and sure. the, it's like one shall oh, stand, right. one, one shall, shall fall, fall. That's and right. they're they trying to make it they did. That's that, right. uh, that moment. But and, it, and it's just so interesting as a comparison, where like you, um, where you see this, you know, real Hollywood blockbuster mm. that uh, is nonsense, and this animated film meant for children, which has you know real storytelling craft involved. You know, it's so, it's such a, like, obviously, like, in our big bad world, one is supposed to be serious and one is supposed to be silly. And ah, one true. is well-known and one isn't. But there, the critical difference is the, the storytelling craft right. is in one of those movies. And it's, it, it's, it's so, like, but, I mean, it's not only not present in the, in the Bay Transfer movies. I, like, I really think that was a new kind of epoch, like, I like I like to say that those Transformers Bay movies are are post plot. Yes, like, post story. You know, yes, that's about like all alternative facts or just alternative storytelling. Just like they it, they don't even go through the motions of having a co- coherent plot. Yeah, they just have things happening. Yeah, they have basic super. I mean, it's like super MacGuffin. There's some kind of super MacGuffin of some kind. But I think in, the, in that movie, it's it's a map or. A, glasses or some stupid shit and they get the thing and then there's something standing in the way of you using the MacGuffin and then it's a it's literally a 45 50 minute fight yeah no it's crazy pants how how nothing is happening in that movie yeah and then and there's so many events but none of them relate to each other in any kind of way that you know grabs us as 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 human beings the world um and I also well so I know I I think I think about these traits (laughs) <laughs> the base transformers movies way too much, you know, just sort of as a metaphor for how much growing up in the world is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but I did, you know, so I, I, I watched, I watched one of the umpteen trailers for this latest fucking one, which is, you yeah. know, stealing from uh, Excalibur or whatever it's doing. Uh. I had a, a little epiphany about a, another thing that's like, that's critically weird about these movies. And I think, um, I, I think it's that Michael Bay has no conception of cute. Ah, uh, like, yes. Or, you know, maybe the Japanese would call, you know, the sense of koi, mm. you know. it's mm-hmm. it, And I don't mean just cute, like, good-looking versus, you know, that cute that is sort of a combination of of warmth and humor that makes, that draws you in yeah, to n- a person's face or a person's behavior. Like, mm. there are things in Transformers movies which should be cute, but they aren't. They're like a mass of fucking <laughs> dentist tools scraping at your face. Absolutely. And that's what, he, that's that's what his version of cute point. is because he doesn't know what it is. He that's just a, does not know how to generate that's, cute. That's a very good point. And yeah, I, that's an excellent point. Or if his his version of – it does. It just feels like what a frat boy thinks cute is or, or what a, what a yeah. frat boy thinks uh, – but you're right. No, yeah. That, that... He understands titillation and like superficial beauties, but he doesn't understand that 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 warm, like soulful warmth. thing that draws right. you in. That's a very good point. Yeah, there is no warmth to anything, and that's the crazy thing. Is like 
Optimus Prime is such a warm character. Robert Cullen's voice is the definition of yeah. warmth, right? Mm-hmm. And you're right. Like and that was the other thing that came. I came away from Transformers was I was like I was pissed because I could not follow the transformations. I was like. They're too busy. <laughs> yes. There's too much shit going on. Yes. There's too many weird little gearies and just too many cables. And like, I w- again, I was massively impressed with the technical achievement, but like, yes, they, are they managed to technical achievement. They managed to fuck up the transforming. So I was like, I was like, I just remember being upset. That was another thing I was super upset with. I was like, I didn't even enjoy watching anything transform. Like it was like it. They did yeah. not. The, again, technically, I was like, that works, I guess, but it was just so hyper busy. That, uh, yeah, it wasn't even enjoyable on that level. Okay, I think we should stop shitting on these things. I think you understand. I think, but your, because your point is absolutely perfect. They lack any sense of warmth. And even though all we talked about was the straight up murder in this animated film, there is such warmth to it. There's such care for the characters. And even, and when they die, it, and when death matters, yeah. and like the death of Optimus Prime is like a goosebumps. It's also beautifully scored by Vince Dicola. Um, mm hmm has such weight to it and even though i'm not a big fan of the autobot matrix of leadership as a fucking plot point it it at Mm -hmm. least has and they actually use foreshadowing in that scene where where rod not rodimus prime whatever his name hot rod catches it (laughs) catches it and they have a little moment and then he hands it to robert he hands it to robert stack he hands it to ultra magnus also one of my favorite names of all Mm -hmm. time ultra magnus for whatever reason (laughs) it's a nice bit of foreshadowing right um and and yeah, and but most importantly, is like all the Autobots are so sad that fucking Optimus Prime is dead. You really, you just really, can't, it's a it's a lovely moment, and it's a moment that destroyed a lot of people's childhood childhoods. You guys can go online mm-hmm. and read that stuff. Um, but it it had weight, man. It had such weight, and even the Ultra Magnus character is like trying to be this leader and just can't. And it's just it's all touching. It's you're right. There's just a, there's a huge pot. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of warmth to it. Um, whereas there's no warmth in Michael Bay period. Um, wow. Okay. I, I think we've taken you through a bit of, uh, Morrison and Dominic's love of this, of this film. Hopefully again, I, if you are out there listening in podcast land and you haven't seen it and you do watch this movie and you end up actually liking it because we told you to watch it. Please tell me because that you will be the first human in my life that that's ever happened with. I I, I would it's, be interested. It's still out there. It's one of the great achievements of the eighties. Really, and if nothing else, yes, it, you can. It still exists. If you are an eighties connoisseur, and you just and if nothing else, I think the music is it's it's quintessentially eighties. If you have a history with eighties animated TV shows and you haven't somehow gotten to this, it's definitely so much of its time period that uh, it's great to watch. Uh, it may be, it's 1986, and I'm going to stand on this, and I may die on this hill. I will say it's the last animated thing that was aimed at children that took children this, that was this, that took children this seriously. Robotech had already gone, had already happened, and a couple of other things had happened. I'm sure maybe in the 90s things come back, like in the late 90s and things start to change up a little bit, but this was squarely aimed at kids, that fucking took kids seriously, took itself seriously. I will die on that hill. This is the last. You will never I, get this movie again. I will add the again. caveat that I agree with you because they seriously wanted people to buy that hot rod toy. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> they went way, and again, it's only because they wanted you to buy a fucking toy. But again, somehow the creators made it matter, which was nice. Which again, which really honestly, and I have to finally admit this is now that I'm 43, looks like a fucking. It, it apparently is an accident, right? That these that these creators. Got to take it this seriously and, and, and ran with it. So Nelson Shin and fucking Ron Freeman, I fucking Friedman, sorry, he's got a D in his name. Great I, work, guys. I salute you. And Vince, great work. Vince, Vince I call him, man, fucking A. I, I would Stan. Stan Bush, who <laughs> sang two songs, Dare and, uh, um, and, and the Stare, and wait, Dare and. The Stare, the, the Touch. Not the Stare, the Touch, thank you, the Touch. Saying, good job, Stan Bush, fucking amen. We love you. It was awesome. Uh, Transformers the animated movie okay folks Dom and I failed to do our job again we forgot to talk about what we're going to talk about next week so we don't even know it'll be a Mm. bit of a mystery we can't tease that Um, but it's summer so there's going to be something there's going to be something I'm sure there's robots and spaceships superheroes (laughs) popping out like like nobody's business oh yeah just all over (laughs) 
Hopefully uh, even in Belgium. Yes, even in Belgium. Uh, I saw The Mummy. We will not be fucking talking about that shit. Um, that's for sure. I guess we could talk about like this attempt. To talk. No, we're not. We're not talking about any of that. Anyway, uh, as usual, we'd like to end with telling you what we've got going on in our world. Dom and I are creators out there. We always like to keep you abreast about what we're doing. Dom, what's going on in your world? Well, I'm still working on my science fiction novel, 12 Valentines, and um. A little. I got a version that gets from beginning to end, beginning to end, and now I'm stuck in a bit of loop of trying to make it not suck. And you know, if you can send a, I, I have, I have a fair amount of, you know, mental, you know, stability writing on this. So mm. <laughs> it sends any uh, vibes into the world as far as it matters to. Uh, so I can get through and 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 really uh, and finish this version. Um, that's what I'm working on. There it is. Send send on the vibes. Send on the good creative vibes, people. Please. We all know that point. Uh, well, maybe you don't if you're not a creative. But all the creatives who are listening to us know that point where you uh, you either hate the project or you hate yourself or you hate yourself in reflection of the project. <laughs> Sounds like that's where mm-hmm. Dom is. Um, send him the love, people. Come on now. We all need it. Um, I am still in post-production on Joanne. The exciting news on that is uh, the VFX are finally underway. Um, uh, We've got a mountain of that to do. uh, So hopefully we'll get that done in like four weeks, and that'll be a huge hurdle. Um, And uh, very excited about moving forward on that. Um, As I mentioned before, I'm stepping back into the acting world out here in old freaking Europe land, um, which is weird and wacky. Um, but nothing terribly creative that you guys can see uh, to that uh, on that effect. Um, but yeah, no, post-production on the movies. You know, that's how it goes for a while. Anywho, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for spending time with us. Remember, we love you. If you like us, if you love us, leave us a review on uh, iTunes Podcast. That helps, it helps people find us. Um, we got the Facebook page. Um, as always, comment, like, subscribe. We appreciate you. And we hope you have a good time out there in summer movie land. Mm. Got anything else, Dom? Mm? Anything else? No? Um, no, that's great. Till all are one. Till all are one. Bye! Bye. It's sort of like one of those 80s metal musicals. <laughs>